Hi, my name is David Pace. And I'm Alex Berlich. And this is Pace Yourself, a University of Utah College of Science podcast about wellness. And today we're going to talk about uh, vocational wellness. So there are eight uh, dimensions of wellness and vocational wellness is one of them. And the definition that I've got from the National Institute of Health is that it's defined as gaining personal satisfaction and enrichment from one's own work. And since we're at the College of uh, Science, that, that includes academic work. So if you're a student, that means um, the work that you're doing in the classroom and lab and as well as a job after graduation. So what do you think, Alex? Uh, how are you doing today? How are you well? I'm feeling great. I think that's something that, you know, I really love about my job is that, you know, working in higher education is meaningful work. We're helping other people day in and day out, specifically working as a career coach. I'm meeting with students one-on-one -on -one for 30 to 45 minutes. And I can see the conversational, the impact that it's having. I can, you know, glean a little bit into their life. Um, so that's one of the elements today. But I, I think to, to start really broad, something that we're going to be talking about is personal satisfaction and life enrichment and how the work we do, which is the way we spend most of our days, aligns with our goals and our values and our lifestyle. And all of this can be really challenging for people to dive into and to understand for themselves. So what we thought we would do is go through six questions that you can ask yourself to check in and understand, you know, how am I doing when it comes to vocational wellness? And so the first is, is my work engaging? Mm, to be engaged. If I had to just wing it on a definition like that, it's like, are you interested in it? Um, does it occupy yourself? Does it move into your body and your mind and your soul and set up camp. And do you, are, are you simpatico with that? Is it, I guess that's what you would mean by engaging. What do yeah. you think it means? I think of flow. I think of Ooh, the good, term good flow from Mihai Csikszentmihalyi. Okay. Whose name I like to say, cause I finally learned how to pronounce it. Tell us who he is. He, I believe he was Hungarian, but he is the You're Hungarian. of flow. I'm Croatian. <laughs> Croatian. So when I think of flow, I think of effortless effort and performing at our best. So when I think of, is my work engaging? This is kind of the feeling that I go for. And for me, when I'm talking with students, I find myself in that place. I enjoy conversation. It's really engaging to me. Yeah. I would say that, um, the flow for me is as a science writer here, I experience that in an interview when I'm interviewing somebody, mostly scientists, mostly students that are doing and studying things that I have no background in and <clears throat> just the conversational approach having been, you know, my, my training is in communications and, and literature. So I like to think of everything as being a conversation and that, that give and take that you have in a really cool flow conversation is really what I aspire to as well. And I think if we have that conversation with our job is what I hear you saying, then that's cool. That's the first, an the answer to the first question. Um, am, am I engaged? And not only is it cool, there is a body of research that's showing that if we're in more engaged with work and we feel that we're performing at our best, it increases our overall well-being and our life satisfaction. So this is a really great like jumping off point. The second question to ask yourself, 
is, am I doing work that helps others? And what's important about this question is this brings in the question of meaning, which mm-hmm. is also a key predictor of life satisfaction. So when I think, and I shared this earlier with my work, I think that, you know, when I'm meeting with students one-on-one, it's clear to me that they're at a stage of learning and growth and development, and they're all potential. And to be able to maybe learn from some of my experience and couple that with my training in human growth and change, I think is really helpful to see, like, maybe I can help them avoid some of the mistakes that I made. So how do you think about and measure uh, meaning in, in your work when you think about doing work that helps other people? Well, first of all, to respond to this notion, it's great working in a university because there are so many young people and it's exactly that. They're little pods of potential walking around. It's really inspiring to be around that because you realize what your own journey has been and meaning, uh, which is what you you brought up as being central to a a lot of wellness uh, dimensions. It's definitely connected to spiritual wellness as well. why am I doing this? You know, those are existential questions that the a spiritual practice hopes to answer. So what was your question again? Do you, do I find my, you're doing work that is helping others? Oh yeah. So I got a little sidetracked there in the um, flow of student life here. Um, yeah, I do. I personally do, but I haven't always, uh, I've had a, I was a, I had a job for 20 years that I didn't really care about it, Um, but it was a great job and I would do it again. So let me explain. It was, um, and this is why I think it's important, probably as a career coach here at the University of Utah, maybe you can talk a little bit about this, but I fell into a job. I was a flight attendant for 20 years for a major carrier and I was so embarrassed to be a flight attendant that I didn't tell anybody that I was. It was just like, I'm just doing this for a couple of years before I go back to graduate school. Cause I thought it was like being a dental assistant or something with wings, you know, but in the end, I really lo- learned to love having a job that I did not have to take home with me, mm. having a job where I didn't have to think too hard about it. Um, And it allowed me to go to graduate school full time. It allowed me to um, do the writing, the creative writing that I wanted to do. I had all this layover time that I could do and I didn't have to worry about, you know, and I I didn't have to worry about relationships because everybody would come and go pretty rapidly, even the flight crew. You know, I might be with them for three days and then I wouldn't see them for two years. I bring that up because... Having a, uh, your meaning doesn't necessarily have to be connected to your job. And I always called it as a job. I never called it a career. And so, you know, when 9-11 happened and I decided, uh, you know, we were living in New York, that it was maybe time to get out of the airline industry. And then uh, other things happened that brought us back to Utah. Then I realized, no, I want to start my career. And that has to have meaning. My job now has a lot of meaning. I've always been a writer. I've always wanted to express myself and help others express themselves. Yeah, I think something that you point out there is that the the path is winding. And when we think about these questions, these are really like personal invitations for people to consider. And when I think of asking myself the question of, is this work engaging or does I, do I help others or the other questions? The, the thing that comes to mind for me is, is rank ordering these for ourselves. 
right? Hmm. And at certain stages of our life, it might be more important that our work's engaging. Or for you, it sounds like, you know, and one of the other dimensions we'll ask, and this is the third one, is, is this work that fits with, with the rest of my life? Hmm. And it sounds like for you, working as a flight attendant answered that question really solid for you, right? Mm-hmm. It was work that allowed you to go to graduate school and do other things that you like were passionate about and that you pursued. Um, and I think that that's really important because two, two mistakes that sometimes we, we fall into is thinking like, well, is this job like really high paying, right? Am I going to make a lot of money? Or like, maybe this is a job that won't be super stressful and I won't have to take it home with me. And those are two like, uh, questions people ask themselves. But I think that these other three that we've laid out, bring a little bit more like depth and nuance to them. Um, so that third one is finding work that fits with the rest of your life. Yeah. I want you to answer that question. I'm not sure that I, my, uh, you know, it, your life changes, you know, uh, everything's moving. So what, what fits with your life now may not fit with your life later, but I think more important than that is again, returning to meaning and, does this fit my values? I can do pretty much anything as long as it fits my values. And so I, I've had a variety of jobs since the airline that um, has always been about um, pri- working for nonprofits, quite frankly. And I liked that because of the mission driven aspect of it. And, you know, I also found out that nonprofits are just businesses as well. So there was a little cynicism that got baked in there after a while, but it was, it nevertheless was a com- that conversation that I was having inside of myself all the time. Like, you know, um, this fits my life and my values. Um, you know, the decision to live where we did made it the university of Utah very convenient for that, you know, to take that job when it came up because I, I cared about, for example, not commuting. Yeah. I didn't want to do that. And for a lot of reasons, um, both environmental and, and time and convenience wise. So yes, I would have to say that my life, my life does, or my job does in fact, um, fit really well into my life right now. And it's the first time it's really done that, you know, being a flight attendant isn't very easy. That's not very convenient at all. Yeah. Especially for the person you're married to. Yeah. So things have changed and yeah, I would have to say that I like my job that way. I hope others achieve that. How about you? I think to answer that question, I would actually bring up the the fourth question, which is, are you doing work that you're good at? And for me, the answer that question is really important for me right now at the stage that I'm at and as well as the work that I do here at the U as a career coach. So I found through experimentation that coaching was really the path for me. My first job out of undergrad, I worked at my alma mater. I did a year of service and I was coaching hockey there. I was helping lead retreats and then I was helping, uh, coach and teach in physical education. And it was really the coaching piece. It was coaching high school hockey that really struck me as something that I enjoyed Mm -hmm. and that I seemed to be pretty good at. And so through the next few roles that I took in my early career in training and development, I really prioritized, uh, coaching and finding opportunities to help people grow personally and professionally. And I think what's important when we think about vocational wellness is that being good at something brings a sense of achievement, 
right? And that sense of achievement helps promote uh, well-being. So I think of being good at something by matching our skills with the problem. Sometimes I think that we pursue interests over things we're skilled at. And there are certainly areas I'm really interested personally in the area of well-being. Um, but if, you know, somebody cuts their finger, I'm useless. I don't do well with blood. So my interest in well-being had to be uh, steered away from, you know, the medical realm because it wasn't something that I was skilled at, even though I'm interested. So that, that question is, um, you know, doing work that you're good at. I noticed you have a Band-Aid on your left hand. I hope that that doesn't come off because I'd hate to hear you scream about the blood. That would be the end of the podcast. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that that's a really good question. I had a long, long date with the imposter syndrome over whether or not I was a writer. Um, I never felt like I could tell people that I was that because it sounded like I was, um, you know, um, trying to blow my own horn too much and that I was trying to be a Hemingway or something. But in fact, um, I, I found out that I was a good writer and, um, it was a skill set that, um, and I think this goes into career coaching for you, um, what you're doing, Alex, which is that, um, I, I thought that a writer was just a creative writer, you know, or maybe a journalist, but, but, um, but nothing else. And I, it either, I either had to be, and I had to be writing as a journalist about something I really cared about. So I was a theater critic for a while. Um, or I had to be writing my own stuff that was going to make, make me quite frankly, Hemingway. <laughs> but what I found out here at the college of science was that, Hey, I got this great skill and I can do it. I can write about something that I don't know anything about because I can research it and I can talk to people and I can humble myself and I can take that skill and drive it home. So here I am writing about science, you know, mining and chemistry and biology. And it's been absolutely invigorating. It's That's just awesome. been, it's been like riding a roller coaster and I'm really happy to be here doing that. That's awesome. I think that, you know, what your story brings up for me is expanding the way we approach vocational wellness. And I think, you know, one way to do it is to think of the job title that we're going to possess. But something that you're talking about is there's all sorts of nuanced little niches of all sorts of worlds, right? Writing being one of them. Tons of them, yeah. And the way that I like to think to expand our idea of what's possible so we can find those creative niches is thinking about what is a problem? Like space that really keeps me up at night. What's something that I want to like really help, you know, do in the world and make a positive impact. And then what skills do I have already? And how can I use those skills to help solve that problem? I think when we use those two, oftentimes the job title becomes a little bit more clear for us, or it just helps us think about ways to create meaningful work, right? If we can answer those questions for ourselves, we can be more engaged. We can do things we're good at and we can find these creative paths and solutions. Yeah, I, I would agree with that wholeheartedly. That titles are a dangerous thing to pin your body to, as well as salaries, quite frankly. Yeah. And so I think that brings us to uh, the fifth question, which is doing work that doesn't have major negatives. I think one time, sometimes having one major negative whether it is a long commute or really low pay or 
really unsupportive people around us or a toxic work environment, um, or maybe working for an industry that like you really don't believe in. And these are just a few negatives that come to mind, but sometimes having one of those negatives, uh, can really outweigh a lot of the other positives. And, you know, personally that for me, like having a long commute as uh, can be really challenging. That's a, a negative that I often grapple with, you know, in my current role, because I think that I love doing work that I'm good at and that helps others. And that's what brought me to the U. But sometimes that negative for me can be really, uh, you know, it can be physically, mentally, emotionally challenging on my wellness. And sometimes I wonder whether or not it's impacting my ability to, to do good work. Yeah. Figuring that out is, can be really tough. I've been, um, I've worked with toxic people and I've probably been a toxic person myself to others, but it doesn't matter how good the job is if um, you you can't respect and um, communicate and work with somebody, your boss or others. It it can derail the whole thing. Mm-hmm. The best job I ever had was one that I had to give up because of that. Yeah. What's interesting about this this thread is that's actually the sixth question. Okay. Is do you work with supportive colleagues? Right. And what I, what I love about this is that. The Harvard happiness study they've been doing for about 85 years now, mm-hmm. you know, people, when we think of our life's arc, we think of our career being a big part of it. Um, and we think of, you know, maybe like the monetary or the skill aspect, but the Harvard happiness study showed that the, the best predictor of happiness later in life is the personal connections that we have. Ah, and if we're spending right. yeah. a lot of our time at work, um, and I, I think this is a good time to shout out 80,000 hours, which is actually where a lot of this information comes from. So 80,000 hours, uh, the team over there has tons of great career resources. These six elements and questions actually come from their website. So if you found this useful, do go over there and check out their information. But 80,000 hours is the number of hours they estimate that we spend in our career. And if you're going to spend that much time, uh, I think one of the important elements of being well at work is spending it with people that you get along with, and that can mean a lot of different things. So the writer and editor in me must ask this question. Is it spelled 80 or is it the number 80? The number 80. Okay. Yeah. So 80,000. 80,000.com. 80,000 hours. Hours.com. Yeah. Beautiful. I'll have to look at that. Yeah. It's a, it's a resource that, um, you know, I, I think as a career coach, I use a lot and I think it, it really weaves its way into this. And David, I, thought, I think the last thing that I thought that we could just briefly touch on is this is a area that can take a, a lot of thinking and personal reflecting on. It's something that can take some time. You shared a story about how your path vocationally is winding. Um, what are some, some tools that you've found useful that have helped you to explore some of these questions and get some clarity around them? Ah, well, that's a tough one because that's part of that conversational model that I was talking about with yourself. And it's very hard for me to get clarity about a lot of things. Um, I use writing to do that. Uh, Pros and cons, a list of pros and cons. Um, I like to ask the question, what is the worst thing that could happen if I take this job? That's a great question. And, or if I marry this woman or if I, okay, that's not a good example, but what's the worst thing that could happen if I make this decision that I have to make today? And then if I can live with that, then usually it's like, look, Dave, you've got to be, you've got to lean into life because my, my tendency is to pull back. So I, I have to talk myself into jumping and hoping that the parachute opens. 
Yeah, that's a, a really, yeah, that reflex to do that is uh, something that's really important. I've heard uh, Andrew Huberman call it limbic friction. Limbic? Yeah, limbic friction, right? The emotional friction of like, it's, it's essentially like, I'm scared to do this, even though there's no predator in the room, right? Developing the the strength to do, to do that yeah. um, is a no, really I like that. powerful uh, internal m- mantra, if you will. Since we're using phrases and stuff, I like functional tension. Mm. Like when I'm on the ski slopes, which I'm not skiing anymore. I'm not going to pretend I do. But when I was on the ski slope, there was that functional tension where you have to be a little you have to be falling down the hill. Come on, let's just face it. And But is it so fearful and so dangerous that it's going to derail your ability to be your best? But if that tension isn't there, then you're... You might just stay on the bunny hill for the rest of your You're life. You're in the back seat, and yeah. that's a dangerous place to be. Exactly. So I wanted to share just a couple other tools that, that I use to stack onto your, your questions. Um, and maybe I'll do this at different stages of the game because we do have a wide-ranging audience here. So for students, you know, undergrad, graduate students in the early phases of exploring vocational wellness, the strengths finder was really helpful for me. Hmm. It really helped me understand. What is that? Um, StrengthsFinder is a, a tool that's put on by Gallup, and it helps you understand the dimensions that you're strongest in, which can help you point you towards, you know, as we're talking about these questions, like work that you're good at and work that's engaging. If you can understand, you know, your strengths, like one for me is I'm a relator. Hmm which leads me to be very inquisitive and very like strong in connections and relationships, which is really important in one-on-one coaching. Yeah. Um, so that's a tool that I found really helpful in the middle stages. Um, you know, working and, and learning a little bit more about your personality, I found useful for people in the, the mid stages of their career. It kind of like is the next level of the, the strengths. And then at any stage of people, I think that finding an outlet, whether it's a professional coach or a therapist or someone to think through and talk through these ideas with and to chart out pathways forward and and different like, um, you know, ways of understanding your values and really getting to know yourself. I think that's been a a tremendously useful tool as well. And then the final one would be patience. Trust the process. Yes. (laughs) Writers have to do that all the time when you look at that blank sheet of paper. Yeah, like, yeah, sometimes it'll, that's it'll what come. your career is, right? It'll sometimes come down. It's a blank yeah. sheet of paper. Well, you're a trove of brilliant information on career development. I'm really glad that you've shared all of this. Well, it seems like I found work that I'm that I'm good at and engaged yeah. in. And I really appreciate you sharing uh, personal stories because I think your your career path and the way in which you, your, your stories illuminate these ideas hopefully can be really helpful for people. I, I hope so, too. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. We'll see you next time. All right. We'll see you next time. Thanks.